Maury Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jochum. Matt is here. It's IndyCar time. Lots to go over. A very hectic St. Pete weekend. Hot and humid. Again, for those who maybe missed it, skip the spoiler part here, but Colton Herta with a win. Joseph Newgarden was second. Simon Pagano was third. Jack Harvey was fourth. Scott Dixon was fifth. So there's there's kind of a lot to go through here we'll get some quick ones out of the way with first jimmy johnson probably a day he'll like to forget but let's 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 put a positive spin on this indycar was trending on twitter during the talladega race so more eyes were on indycar which definitely was reflected in the tv numbers which were way better than i was expecting so I don't know if you saw them, by the way, but they they were, they were good for IndyCar. Best IndyCar race out of the Indy 500 on NBC ever. Yeah. That's good. I think it beat Road America last year. One of those. Yeah, I mean, as the, the nicest way I could put it was someone on Twitter had said that Jimmy Johnson's just out there proving how tough it is to drive an IndyCar. So I think it... Uh, I think that was like the nicest way I could have seen that stated because it just kind of shows how good the rest of the field is really and how how talented the the field is being able to you know kind of handle those cars so well and how you know someone like jimmy johnson with all his experience just is uh taking a little bit to get up to speed we'll say yeah that's a that's a good way of putting it here and the other thing one other driver who definitely has had a rough start to the year he finished in 14th this weekend or last weekend. Ryan Hunter Ray. Just kind of like, I don't want to say he's just driving to drive because I don't believe, I don't believe that's the case. Obviously the first weekend, there was nothing he could do. And thank God for the arrow screen for probably saving serious injury, but he drove a very quiet uninspiring race and another guy who, you know, on the trend of starting quiet, Scott McLaughlin, which maybe isn't necessarily a bad thing for a rookie to be quiet because at least he's not damaging his equipment. So came home P11, was running kind of in the 7 to 10 range off and on throughout the race. Had relatively good pace compared to the leaders, his Average speed was just about two tenths of a mile an hour slower than than Colton Hurd on first. So respectable speed, just you know, he'll he'll fi- he'll find it at some point this year. So I don't I don't know about you, but I I wouldn't be necessarily worried about McLaughlin at this point. Not yet. Um, you know, as the kind of the theme of the year, though, as I stated last week, he, he's just going to be on a little bit of a shorter leash. So. Um... We'll see how patient Penske is if, if these kind of results continue for the rest of the year and if they give him another year or whatnot. And then with Hunter Ray, yeah. Ugh. Be interested to see. I didn't really see too many quotes from him after the race, but I'm just interested to see kind of his thoughts because I don't think he was like above 12th at any point in the race. So 
Uh, kind of just mired in the back, but his teammate did great. Uh, Colton dominated the race. I think he led 97 laps. It's not an interesting stat that says since Herta became full-time, he's won four races with the team and Rossi's won two. Do we think we got like alpha male who's the supreme leader of Andretti Autosport brewing here at uh, Andretti Autosport? I think so. I mean, Colton at 21 is showing up his Indy 500 winning teammate at least this past weekend. And and last year was definitely the better Andretti driver. So hard to disagree with that. And, And I think if Alex Rossi wasn't annoyed after the first race, he's definitely in a miserable mood after coming home in... 21st place and let's let's go right to that one rossi versus ray hall so they made contact in the turn four turn five area rossi's tire went down and then they kind of collided neither of them were out of the race but rossi had to limp back around with a flat tire graham finished in p15 so what did you make of the actual incident itself well, I'm glad they didn't go drive to survive on each other after the race. You know, it's kind of just a racing thing. I'll get to my thoughts on the actual incident in a second. But, you know, they both handled it like professionals. They weren't, you know, children about it. So uh, while that is encouraged at times, I don't think this was the one to, to really press it on. It was kind of just some hard racing. And some of the circumstances with Rossi coming out of the pits on cold tires and Ray Hall really pushing it. So my thoughts on the incident was... You know, Ray Hall did break pretty late, and I stated this on Twitter. I'm not sure he would have made that corner if Rossi wasn't there. So he did use uh, Rossi as a bit of a break there. Rossi could have, I guess, read the situation a little better and seen that he was on cold tires versus Ray Hall's warm tires, and so Ray Hall is really going to probably send it. It was a kind of a tight squeeze, and you know, Rossi didn't give him the most room, but also at the same time he doesn't have to you know do that either so you know i i'm leaning towards more ray hall's fault uh on my assessment but again it was just hard racing and i think you know obviously rossi's tire going down was unfortunate but had that not happened they would have both been fine so i was just kind of just an unfortunate circumstance really yeah, it's it's tough because this is one of those times when you can you can see both sides okay Rossi coming out of uh, out of the pits doesn't want to give up the position. I forget where he was running at the time. Maybe seventh ish, eighth. Yeah, sixth and seventh area. Wasn't having a spectacular race, so wants to save every position he can. Graham obviously wants to get by him and 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 keep charging up the field. But yeah, Graham definitely kind of broke a little bit late. And you know when they when they collided, that was simply because Rossi's tire was down. There was no. They weren't trying to battle for the next corner, but Rossi couldn't turn the car. So I did appreciate the fact that they were both like, hey, listen, I know Graham and I know Alex wouldn't do something like that on purpose. It was just an unfortunate racing deal. And it was actually kind of refreshing to hear both of them just be like, listen, stuff happens and life moves on. And instead of being all whiny on on TV, like drivers can tend to get after an accident. Speaking hey. of breaking late. Yeah. Speaking of that, 
Speaking of uh, whiny, uh, <laughs> I think you just segue yourself into the next one, didn't you? I Hinch didn't even and Sato, mean to. Which is probably, yeah, whatever. Hinch and Sato, which is probably the most discussed one after the race. I th- I thought it would be Rossi versus Rahal for sure, just because it had much more implications. But Hinch, after the race, tweeted and Instagrammed just the caption of Sadoed. <laughs> Going into turn one, they were battling for position. Uh, Sato made a late move and collided with Hinch. And in similar fashion with like Rossi and Rahal, uh, Hinch's tire went down. So he had to do a full lap with the deflated tire and, you know, really ruined his race. Weird that both these incidents was Rahal on Andretti crime. <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's a rivalry brewing now or what. So um, obviously in the contrasting view, Hinch took to social media to the, kind of show his displeasure. So uh, what did you make of this incident and Hinch's reaction? Man, I don't know how Sato was making that corner. I really don't. It's just like in that case, Hinch had the, had the line and I don't, I just don't know. Listen, I know Sato, you got Sato is going to take chances and, and maybe as a driver, if you know he's around you, you should be aware of that. But this one to me is more, I don't want to say more one-sided, but I definitely think Sato should have gotten out of there because there's, there's just no chance he was either going to have to slam on the brakes or slam into Hinchcliffe and slamming on the brakes would have been much less damning to, to both guys because Let's see here. Sato finished in sixth after starting 15th. So, you know, Hinch started 12th and he was running near the top in or near the top 10. So it was in line for a decent finish. So it's unfortunate that, that it happened. Definitely just don't, in this case, I really don't see what Sato, what room Sato was going for. See, you said in there though, that he had no chance, but if you can't, if you don't attack, then you have no chance. I hate you. <laughs> I we don't find ourselves in this position on this podcast too often. We usually agree on a lot of stuff. I disagree with everything you just said, respectfully. I, I think he had much more of a chance of making the corner than Ray Hall did. I feel like he used Hinch a lot less of a as a break than Ray Hall did with Rossi. Because if you watch the replay, he's he's actually pretty close to making that apex. He's maybe, you know, a couple inches off, but he's not drastically off. And I feel like the way his car was lined up for the corner exit, it didn't seem like he was going to veer too much to the outside there. So I actually thought it was a pretty good move in my estimation. And I honestly tended to pin this one a little on hinge. It was a very late move. And I understand from a driver's point of view, it's probably hard to react that late. Um, But uh, I I really feel like hinge didn't do himself any favors on that one. If, if I may. Yeah. At that point, when you go into the next corner, like that's that's what to me is frustrating is because when you go into that, so then you're kind of making that left, if I'm remembering correctly. If they don't touch, Hinch should have gone away with it. And, and I know like, oh, no way. Sato would have the inside line going into turn yeah, six. Yeah, because it's like the left is tough. But then it's a right, and then the straight, and then turn five is a right. So it's like it's 
it's not optimal to go two by two in there. It really kind of comes down to who has their nose in front for that first little bend. Um, and it's usually going to be the car on the right. So then like Sato would be in the preferred area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to stake my case for, for Hinch on this one because I, like you said, there's just not room for two cars there. And, and I, yeah, Sato had the speed and I think would have gotten around Hinch at, at some point. So anyway, we'll, we'll leave that one at that, yeah. but yeah, I'm not going to do the, the uh, Paul Tracy approach. If, <laughs> if that's what <a> no <laughs> calling, I'm not going to call Hinch a clown, but man, <laughs> no, that was, but that was embarrassing. The, the only, the I'll, I'll just leave it at this. I feel bad for Hinch because if you look at like the last, four or five times he's been taken out in a race. It's Sato has been involved in some way in like three out of the four of them. So I get his, I get his like Sato'd frustration because like at that point you do feel like, does this guy have a target on my back? Like, and I know that's, that's, that's not the case, but yeah. And let's see here. The last yeah. guy who had a, a dismal day, Ed Jones, you tweeted, Oh my God, I haven't heard Ed Jones' name in two broadcasts. And then Ed Jones caused like a melee and like bounced off of Hinch and somebody else back there. I forget who it Hatto was. just drilled him. Yeah. So Ed Jones, not off to a good start. Is he, if, if we were to call this like a, you know, a hot seat right now, and I know it's two races in, so this is like way too early, but is is Ed Jones the number one candidate for early season dismissal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> that is that is 100% for sure. Uh, you know, like I said, like you pointed out on social media, it's like, oh, we're on race two, and I don't think I've heard Ed Jones' name yet. And then when we I, – I, uh, I saw what he tweeted. He tweeted something about the fact that, uh, well, A, he didn't get enough, enough practice time because the the – team had some sort of car failure yeah. you know as a driver it's it's kind of one of those you just have to take it on the chin and when you drive for coin you kind of have to just expect those kind of things so it's it's i don't i don't know if uh coming out and being like well you know i would practice if the team would let me but they, they don't because they can't listen up the car it's like well okay well drive for coins so you just got to kind of expect that to happen and every now and then you just gotta kind of comes with the territory and then the second one was like he wasn't sure what lap traffic w- was doing in that situation. Well, you know, I watched the replay a couple times, and I don't know what Ed Jones is doing in that situation. I think he missed his break point by like 15, 20 feet and <laughs> just locked up into Hinch. Hinch was respectfully letting someone through and was sticking to the outside lane, and all of a sudden just Jones just clobbered him on his side pod. So I don't know uh, why Jones is blaming Hinch in that one. Uh kind of weird i always wondered what it was like in like driver meetings like next week when you know like jones and hinch make eye contact if if hinch just has like the sudden urge to tell him to like go piss off or something or you know just a little spit i don't understand yeah because i know like you know daily said in the uh i racing chat last last year that there's you know like indycar drivers have like a giant group message and i would just love to be a fly on the wall in those and just see what kind of nonsense takes place and if it's like drama 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 or just, i always wanted to know what that's like to be like an indie car driver and just like you know you wreck somebody and you see him the next day and it's just like well i still hate you <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah jones i i don't know what that was but yeah that seat 
I don't know if it's two races too soon, and I don't think Coin's going to be very strong in the old this year, but that seat's got to be on fire right now. All right, we'll get to one more of these, and then we'll recap our predictions. Let's go, let's go with the Team Penske one here. Uh, Simon Pagano and Joseph Newgarden. Obviously, Newgarden caused the melee on lap one at Barber in the opening race, and Simon just really was nowhere all weekend. They talked about how Simon was nowhere all weekend in practice, and then he came out and qualified in fourth and finished third. It really just had a solid race all day. It wasn't necessarily ever kind of close to being able to contend for the first or second place, but a much improved effort from Pagano after I dogged him for like 45 minutes out of the hour last week, which is again, very typical of, of my predictions. So Matt, I know you tweeted this on a scale of one to 10. What would you rate St. Pete? what did you think of the, just the, just the race as a whole? Yeah, real quick. Good job by Simon and Joseph. And then also just wanted to give a shout out to both Jack Harvey and Scott Dixon, who also finished top five. Harvey was great all weekend, second P2 qualifying. And then uh, I don't think he's out of the top five at all in the race. So that was really good by him. And then Scott Dixon just doing Scott Dixon things. Race was definitely not as good as last year. Um, I don't know if if, uh, last year was kind of an oddity or if this race needs to be the season finale because it was really fun last year and, and really crazy, but there's some good parts. Um, you know, like the Hinch Sato thing is a good talking point. Rossi Ray Hall is a good talking point, but, um, kind of the end there was a little stale and there was like a middle portion there. that was pretty stale. So I gave it a, you know, six out of 10, which is like six out of 10 would for me would be like kind of the average. So it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Uh, it's not like a 3.6, which is a Chernobyl <laughs> reference. Nobody got that. Not great, not terrible, but it's just going to be a 6 for me. Yeah, I would give it the same. Uh, the opening, the, I thought we would get a really good strategy battle with essentially half the field on starting on the primary tires, half the field starting on the alternate red tires, and it just kind of divulged into a field strategy battle for pretty much the first 20 laps until Jimmy spun the first time. So it just didn't work out that way. And that's okay. Not every race is going to be a barn burner. It was a solid race, but you know, it's, it's hard because St. Pete last year was mayhem from start to finish. So it's hard to, hard to kind of like get that out of your mind. Cause it was only like six months ago. So anyway, we'll recap our, our predictions here. And good prediction. I did have willpower. I did not totally jinx him, although he qualified poorly. He did not get the pole. That was your fault. Okay, I can live with that because he still finished P8, which is better than Alex Pillow, who finished P17. <laughs> Who's that? Is that a dig at me or Pillow? You. Oh, and okay. you, jinxed, you jinxed the newest IndyCar race winner. And Jack Benyon, who joined last week, had Sebastian Bourdais, who finished P10. He was running like fifth or sixth and then just kind of faded at the end there. So I'll I'll give myself a pat on the back on that one. My bad (laughs) prediction, definitely total failure. I had Simon Pagano. Obviously, he podiumed. So, oops. I mean, good job, Simon. But oops. You had Renus VK. 
he finished P9. It was pretty good for he was dicing it up there in the in the top ten pretty much all day. But obviously still a better prediction than mine. Jack Jack got this one. Connor Daly, P sixteen. Connor was one of the guys who was frustrated with how hot it was after the race and and yeah so he he just uh was he did not have a, a fun day at the track that one connor daly love him to death on road courses that might need to be a low-hanging fruit for the rest of the year that that's another one that concerns me and i do not think that's down to the driver but I, that concerns me for the rest of the year that it might be one of those that we're not allowed to pick in the bad because there is something up with that operation at the moment that i i can't get my head around but i yeah, don't i think I we have don't. enough of a sample to know that that's not the driver at this point and i don't understand because vk has had two good races to start the year and we pretty much thought they would be in the worst team you thought they would be the worst team on the grid yep and connor has had two not good races to start the year so are, do they just drive two totally separate styles of car that Ed Carpenter engineering isn't nailing? Obviously, there's something we're missing that we just don't know yet. And maybe at some point in the next couple of weeks or so, we can we can get Connor on there on here and and talk through it. So we'll we'll see. But I think that's a I think that's a fair argument. So yeah. our dark horse top five. I'm going to give myself a, you know, you know what? Let's, let's turn the sound up here. It's not just top five. It's just dark horse for finishing oh. good. It's Sorry. not like F1 so, because you, you, I would not okay. pick Jimmy Johnson. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's for me. Jack Harvey P4. I, I know you picked Jimmy Johnson to do well. I, I'm sorry. I was uh, misspoke there slightly. He still did not do well, so he didn't finish not last. Win that one. He did not finish last. Okay, yeah, that's about as much as we can say about Jimmy's day. <laughs> and Jack had Ryan Hunter Ray, who had a very quiet P14. So we will discuss Texas here in a couple minutes. Some news to get to real quick, and a couple fan questions here mixed in. First off, I'll go through this one real quick. Will Power signs a two-year extension with Team Penske, which was announced, I think, during qualifying this weekend. And Verizon will be back on board with Penske as well for those two years. So good to see Will kind of get that out of the way with at the beginning of the season. And and he's had two good races to start the year now. So maybe he has a little less pressure off his on his back now and, and can get things going and get a win. The Indy 500 has officially been announced at right now at 40% capacity. Pit and paddock access will require you to have proof of vaccination, uh, you know, the COVID vaccination. So I don't know how much you want to spend talking about this because obviously this is a fluid, a fluid situation and, Nothing is nothing is set in stone as we learned last year when I think it changed like two and a half weeks before the race. But thoughts? Yeah, you know, obviously this you know drew a reaction on social media. So I guess the positives is I'm definitely excited to have fans back at the track. I think that's really awesome. I think it's going to enhance the experience of the drivers, the experience, 
everything. And I, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are chomping at the bit to get back. There's a lot of opinions out there and I'm a, I'm a big individual freedom guy. You know, if you choose to get the vaccine, great. If you don't, that, that, that's your choice. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong or I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, I, I think any less of you. I, I think the, what it boils down to is I think the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as a private entity, thinking about the safety of the crews and the teams and whatnot and consulting with local health experts, they get to kind of, unfortunately, if if they say paddock access are going to require vaccination, I think they have a right to do it for now. I think it's going to be something that's kind of interesting, and I wonder if the courts will have to take a look at it, if it's quote-unquote infringing on personal liberties to say that it requires vaccines. So I think it's something legally that's going to have to be played out. But for now, it's kind of just they have the right to do it. So it's unfortunately it is what it is, but I think the fans who are vaccinated, I think will be lining up in droves to get that access because it's really enhances the whole month of May experience. And, you know, unfortunately I won't be making the trip down there. It is a little too fluid for me, you know, with last year I was kind of, I think it, no, I booked plane tickets for the Grand Prix of Indy, but I didn't have them for the Indy 500, but the whole, the plan was to go to the Indy 500 and then things kept changing. So I was really, didn't want to commit too much just because I didn't know what was going to happen. So it's kind of the same thing this year, but hopefully next year, hopefully next year we kind of can have a, a quote unquote normal Indy 500. Yeah, I am totally fine. If Indianapolis motor speedway as a private business wants to say, Hey, in order to be around the drivers, you have to have vaccine. I've we've seen other private businesses, colleges do something similar totally for it i have no issue with it if you have an issue with it i'm sorry but it's your chance to enjoy the month of may to the fullest 40 percent, i think is, is pretty reasonable it's definitely going to be by far the biggest sporting event in the united states since covid so there will be a lot of eyes on indycar and i think being extra safe and proof of vaccination i i get it i'm i have no issue there and will I be there? Well, that depends on when they tell me what the media plan is. And I will just leave it at that. I hope I hope to be there, but I it's April twenty seventh, and so we're 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 four days away from the beginning of May, and as of April twenty sixth, there is no official plan. So I don't know. I, I really I don't know. I might you know, listen. Booking booking flights last minute is is not cheap, and I don't know if I want to drive ten and a half hours out to to Indy on forty eight hours notice if they <laughs> if they wait super late like a couple times last year to to tell us if it's okay or not. But I if if I'm there, I'm I'm sure I will let people know, and I'd like to say hello to as many of you as possible. It's kind of a weird time with media. Uh, I'm appreciative of Kate Davis and, you know, Texas Motor Speedway and David at Texas Motor Speedway. You know, they they got me hooked up for this weekend for Texas. So super appreciative of that. It's kind of just a kind of a weird time right now. You are technically, although you will be watching the race in the stands, you will have media credentials this year before I do, which is really weird. Yeah, (laughs) that was not on our bingo card. No, I am I am very happy that Texas and with the assistance of Kate we're able to get it 
put together and, and allow you to be there and maybe you'll have to do a food review of the media center if there's oh, food in there i don't absolutely don't know if there is we'll have to get oh no faux will's not gonna be there i was gonna say i'll have to get faux will no. for me see toronto is i don't know if you have your sharpies out folks but toronto's gonna be canceled uh not officially yet <laughs> but just go ahead and just put that in stone so the likelihood is that if it were to get canceled it's going to be replaced by a double header so an existing venue just adding a race so where do you think this uh this double header is going to be well we'll get a prediction on paper here i'm going to guess and say probably mid ohio it's it's going to be a green savory track and i don't know what covid cases are doing in portland so I don't think it's going to be the West Coast swing. So, yeah. I'm going to say Road America, and I don't care about the logistics or if it's Green Savory or not, just because of my hopes and dreams. <laughs> so uh, you're being all fancy with your predictions, and I'm just being all, ah, full send to Road America, because why not? Love it. Another scheduling item is that Jay Fry, I think, Jay Fry talked to Racer Mag, Marshall Pruitt, and they said that, they're obviously IndyCar is considering more ovals next year with, you know, the unexpected Iowa dropping this year and um, not too much out there for other venues that are interested, but Homestead is and Kentucky on Twitter says they are, but who knows if that's actually feasible or not. And I guess one of the interesting parts about Homestead is that they can do spring training and they can do it in a way where they actually have the road course there too. And the question for you is that, would a oval and road course race addition for Homestead on the schedule, would that be something you'd be interested in? So I think it's great for spring training because you can kind of have, you know, four days and you split up the days. And I know the road to Indy does multiple tests and their spring training down in Homestead. To be honest, I don't know Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. All that much about the road course in terms of raceability. So 
I I don't I, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt on saying if that's a good if the road course is a good idea just because I haven't seen it in action other than road to indie clips in a long time. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if they're desperate to find a venue, sure. I yeah. still would prefer Watkins Glen, which is unlikely, but more likely like the Charlotte Roval, I think would be kind of cool. So um but the oval at Homestead with these cars, I, that excites me for sure. So I think that could be kind of fun. Uh, real quick, Errol McLaren SP looking to add a third full-time car next season. Rapid fire. Who gets that seat? Pagano. That's what I was going to say. God dang it. Well, I'm still saying, uh, no, I guess I have to switch my answer now. <laughs> I, was, I was so ready to say Pagano, and then, and I can't say power either, but you know, had Power's extension no. not been announced, I think Power would have been a shoe in Screw it. I'll just go Montoya. I think you're going to maybe have a great May and just going to theorize itself to you. Because I think it's important for this next driver to have veteran experience. I wouldn't consider Rosenquist a veteran. Of You know, I don't consider three no. years to be a veteran. And I think Paddle's doing great things for the team, but, you know, he's still very young too. So I think bringing in someone that can kind of mentor everybody would be uh, a good idea. Speaking of McLaren, Ricardo is insistent that he's considering a future in IndyCar with McLaren. Uh, no, I don't think that seat's going to be filled by Ricardo, though, that third one. And Alonzo's unsure if he'll be able to do Indy ever again. I don't know if you have. And I think it's kind of refreshing because Ricardo has said a couple times that he's not interested, but now maybe changing his tune a little bit. And I don't know if the arrow screen has anything to do with that or maybe like guys like Grosjean coming to do it, Erickson. So uh, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that before we get to our fan questions. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to to see him over here. I'm a big fan of his. He definitely would bring a lot of eyes to IndyCar because he's one of the more vibrant personalities in, in F1. So I'd, I'd be very interested to see it. As far as Alonzo, to be honest with you, couldn't care less if he ever runs another Indy 500. I think he's a hell of a racer, but I'm ready to see new new faces take on the challenge of, of Indy. So let's How give dare it you. that chance to. I know. I How know. Dare Sorry, you, Fred. Fred? I love you, Fred. Come back and do it again, please. I miss you already. Especially, I kind of feel bad because his last one wasn't the you know the full experience with the pandemic so i would i would love to see him try at least one more time in his career fan question number one from our buddy george we got like a mclaren theme going in this one and in the uh f1 one said uh given the expectations set by zach brown for the indycar season and his presence at barber who do we think is under more pressure this year Pato award or team manager taylor kyle taylor kyle he made one or two bad strategy calls last year that come to mind. And I don't think the strategy necessarily helped him in the opening weekend at Barber. Pato has shown with multiple, you know, his two, two, two pole positions now has pretty good speed almost week in and week out. So it's you know, team strategy. You can, as we've seen multiple times with Tim Sindrick and Joseph Newgarden strategy can be the difference from a, a fourth or a fifth place and, and a win just by you know, pitting at the right time or, or starting on the right tire, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's definitely on, on, on Taylor Kyle to, to 
you know, give Pato the best chance to win with Pato's speed. Yeah. I mean, I almost throw Felix in here, too, who's also not had a great year at start to the year uh, among the names we've mentioned previously. Yes, he'd be number two on my hot seat list. Right. So I think, obviously, the pressure is there for Pato because this is a great operation they have going here, and therefore expectations will be increased, and so he's going to be expected to do better. But Pato doesn't seem like a kind of guy who cares about the pressure. He kind of just seems like he's going to go out there full send and do his best anyways. So I think because of that reason that I don't think Pato necessarily cares about the pressure and therefore is not going to succumb to it, that I think Taylor Kyle definitely has more of a challenge per se just because breaking into that Ganassi, Andretti, Penske juggernaut and then even Ray Hall Letterman I think is a really good operation too so there's there's five above average teams in IndyCar with you know three of them being historically good Uh, I would I would tend to say that the driver would be under less pressure because you know it's kind of the whole the whole unit that's got to be top-notch for it to work so I think I would give it to Kyle there so thanks for our our first fan question there, our buddy George. I, I think one one of these was from, from our, not the author, Stephen King. So maybe it was this one. We might have actually reversed who the fan questions were fun, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I'll, I'll, that- I'll go through this one. Our, our bad if we, if we mixed up who, who asked what question. But anyway, why, uh, why are people preaching patience for Jimmy Johnson? Actually, I think this one was from, our friend Mark Van Niekerk. I could be totally wrong. We've mixed up like six people now. So it's from somebody in, in our team pit lane group. So thank you to everybody who continues to subscribe. And I'm going to stop digging, digging, digging this grave a little deeper here. Why are people preaching patience for Jimmy Johnson? But when Alonzo came over in 2017 and 2019, you expect him to win or do very well. Kurt Busch was fast right out of the gate in 2015. 2014 and we expect rookies like Pato Award or last year Oliver Askew to be fast right away yeah I mean it's a fair question to kind of dissect this question Fred uh, first of all uh, Indy 500 rookie is completely different because you know Fred had an open test and then Fred you know for the Indy 500 Fred and Kurt Busch you get like a week of practice to you know, for seven hours a day or something to, to get up to speed. So it's really apples and oranges. And I think getting up to speed at Indy, especially when you jump in with a team like McLaren that has Andretti Autosport affiliation or for Kurt Busch and Andretti Autosport affiliation too, when you have a giant set of data to come into and they're, you know, already have a, a pretty decently good setup to throw on the car a lot less work for you to do. It's kind of more just like getting acclimated to it. And so with that said, I'm not saying that Indianapolis is easy because it's an extremely difficult track to race on, but I feel like getting up to speed at Indy when you're that prepared isn't as difficult as showing up to Barber with, what did Jimmy say, like not that many laps in, in real life racing between Sebring and I don't know if he did Laguna Seca so between Sebring and Barber, it's just a lot to ask a guy from 
the NASCAR realm to jump into a road course setting with limited practice and expect him to be contending with the top 15 immediately with Askew and award and the other Indy lights rookies, you know, they've been in the road to Indy. They've been driving open wheel cars for a long time. And then they do get preseason testing if, to some extent. And while I think giving them one year and then the boot is too fast, it depends on also what situation they're jumping into. And last year with McLaren, that's a good team. So again, the expectation is going to be good. And you, you got to be kind of good right away to hold on to that seat. And unfortunately, ask you didn't have a great year by any means, but I still would have liked to see him get one more year, but thus are kind of the misfortunes of the racing world. So GS Johnson's at a good team with Ganassi. They seem to be the strongest team out there this year, but with someone who's had limited time to get ready and with someone who's going from NASCAR to road course racing and IndyCar so quickly, it's going to take time. And it's, I think it's unfair to compare that to like an Indy Lights champion or the Indy 500 because that's just different circumstances. Yeah. And the other thing, Kurt Busch in IndyCar you know, was the arrow kit with the most amount of downforce. So it was, I don't want to say it was, and Andretti. So wasn't he the, the he was before the manufacturer arrow kit. Sorry. Yes. It was 2014, but uh, they were, I think it was 2014. So they were, they were still hooked up with that rear yeah. pod thing, but not, not what came the next year with all the winglets and stuff. Yeah. 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 My bad. Anyway, also Jimmy Johnson is 45 years old. So he's been <laughs> doing one thing for you know the last I don't know what was his NASCAR career 17 oh, 18 years something oh, like that. 03 was he think he was a rookie. Yeah, Somewhere so 17 18 years ish. It's 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 a lot to ask and and yeah, ask you last year. Yeah, got the short end of the stick by not having his contract renewed. He was not fired, he was not released his contract didn't just didn't get renewed and unfortunately that stinks because i think he needed another year of development but because he you know he didn't have uh you know he went one step of the way each time on the road to indy so he didn't have a long road to indy career like some of these guys do a longer road to indy career but yeah listen i think it comes down to jimmy johnson is an older guy and, you know, Kurt Busch, when he did the Indy 500 was, I don't know, I'm going to roughly guess and say he was 33 or 34. So age, age really helps. And, and obviously being attached to Andretti helped him. And I, I think Jimmy Johnson, I think he will improve as the year goes on. And we're asking a lot of a guy who's done one thing for 18 years to all of a sudden do something completely different. So I think it's just, Comparing the two isn't necessarily comparing apples and oranges, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah, completely fair. All right, ready to talk about Texas forever? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I want to point out that they have tested at Texas already this year. Guys like Scott McLaughlin got to get up to speed, and I think Tony Kanan even got to, maybe not Kanan, but I know that a bunch of guys are at Texas, and one of the kind of general themes from that test, which has been a little hush-hush, not discussed too much, is that the track surface, once again, is a worry going into this stupid race. And 
I'm wondering, well, A, we know turn one and two, turn two are going to be junk again. So with dry weather expected, which is always good, what are you anticipating with, you know, kind of as a whole track surface and then more specifically, like, you know, is turn one and turn two going to be a dump again this year? Yes. From everything I have heard off the record, nobody was that thrilled with turn one and turn two. I believe it was described as you have to have big cojones to take the top line at any point in the track. So I am definitely concerned. Now, the IndyCar fan in me will always be cautiously opted will always be optimistic heading into a race weekend. Maybe IndyCar added some extra down, but they already added some extra pieces of wing, I think on the, on, on the underside of the front wing to help with the downforce. So maybe they add even more on top of that, that, that helps guys out a little bit, but I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm usually very excited for Texas and this might be the first year where I'm like I'm I'm nervous about both races. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that I wouldn't be excited if I wasn't going. I'm I'm obviously jacked and again appreciative of you know everybody in IndyCar and Texas Motor Speedway for hooking us up. So should be a fun time. I am going to the Saturday race. So if you see a guy in ridiculously bright shoes volt bright that is me feel free to say hi i'll be in my pit lane parlay shirt i'll just be trying foods too so uh if you see me out there trying some food i'm getting my buddy able to a race for the first time uh he lives in dallas so my wife oh, yeah. and i are staying with him and i'll be um uh, interested to see what his thoughts are he's never been to a race before i actually i think i forced him to watch the texas race two years ago with me while we consumed some beverages so uh, really looking forward to that. I think the track surface was uh, Mike's assessment spot on. Turn one and two and two is going to be junk. Uh, no matter what tire dragon or adhesive crap they throw up there, I think it's going to be kind of a lost cause. So uh, we'll see about that. It's kind of a virtually a double points race weekend because there are two races Saturday night, which I'll be at, and then I won't be at the Sunday one, unfortunately. But I'm um, going to make the most of my experience. And then we got some new drivers this weekend. We got uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, who is going to be racing for Romain Grosjean in that seat, as Grosjean at this point is not scheduled to do any ovals, but we'll keep an eye on Gateway. Tony Kanaan is in the Jimmy Johnson ride in the American Legion colors. So uh, no Johnson talk this weekend, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, so sad. The phrasing, I mean, on, listen. the phrasing on that was quite weird, I'll be honest. I do hope that he is at the race and gets to be interviewed so we can have like three to seven Jimmy Johnson segments per race. So, you know, it's important for Carvana to get their, get to get their airtime. Yeah. Uh, Ed Carpenter's back. Yeah. Yay. We're going to think he's going to be cracking top 15 or not. Nah? <laughs> I mean, he's the oval specialist of IndyCar. Yeah, right. Kinda, and then uh, Carlin officially made it official that Connor Daly will be driving for them. So Connor Daly will be in new colors for the season, but a familiar look uh, with what he was doing last year as well. So with that all being said, Mike, who's doing good this weekend? 
Let's go with Joseph Newgarden. Finished third there last year after qualifying on the pole. I know Penske does seem to always struggle with tire wear here. So maybe they've finally figured it out. And I mean, it's hard to bet against Team Penske on an oval. All right. Well, I'm going to go with your boy, Simon Pagano. <laughs> he is always good at this place for some reason. Even when he's having a bad season, which has been like, you know, the last two or so, he's been really good here. Oh, what are the, I also want to throw in, what are the odds you think uh, the Penske tire wear is going to be a thing again? Like it always is at Texas. Like, you know, last couple of years, they've just destroyed people in qualifying and we're like, well, why are we going to bother watching the race? And then 29 laps in they're pitting because their tires are extremely blistered. Do you think we're going to get the same old, same old again? No. And I'm only saying that because you're going to say yes. So one of us is going to be right. And one of us is going to be wrong. I think maybe this year, Having a fourth car, a, a, some preseason, not pre, yeah, I guess preseason testing there. Maybe they they found something. Extra downforce helps. So yeah, I know that might be weirdly optimistic of me, but I think they will figure it out this year. How dare you? No, I don't think they're going to figure it out. But I appreciate you letting me have the dunk on that one. Who's going to do bad this weekend? Oh boy, let's see here. I'm going to go with Felix Rosenquist. I think he's off to a rough start, and I don't... I just... He's making a lot of silly mistakes, and, and Texas... I could see him... I think Wasn't he the one last year that was doing very well and then tried to go too high up on, on Dixon and went into the wall, if I'm not mistaken? I think it was uh, Hinge... But he did try to pass somebody. Yeah, he tried to go. He was was doing a great job of keeping up with Dixon, I think, the whole race. And then kind of just threw it away on uh, over over aggressive moves. So, um, yeah, because I remember Hinch caught some flack for that. But he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, speaking of, I'm going to go with Hinch. I I think it's kind of just a rough start to the year for him. And I think he was doing okay there last year with Andretti. But I, I think... I remember something went wrong at some point that was not his fault. So then that's why he was in that lap position. But uh, that, that entry right now is giving me the vibes. I'm not, not, not getting too much optimism out of that whole unit at the point, at this point. And then lastly, not dark, dark horse uh, positioning wise. We're not shooting for any sort of um, top 10 or anything like that. But who do you think is going to maybe outkick their coverage this weekend? I'm going to go with Jack Harvey. Last year, they pretty much just used the race as a practice session because they had never run there. There was, what, one practice before the race, and and Texas was the first event. Was Texas the first event after the, of the 2020 season when everything got underway? Yeah, it was the, yeah, it was around one. Everything just still feels like a blur from last year. So... I think they've got enough you know, practice under them with the, the test there. Obviously, having Elio kind of being able to give him some feedback and, and data, or not data, feedback and, and, and advice either you know, this week before or you know, after practice or before qualifying, whatever, probably will help. So I think, Jack, I think last year he finished, let me see here, he finished 16th, uh, a lap down, but was like never really on pace. So I think he's going to be on pace this year. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that he brought that home last year was a win. So yeah, that's, that's solid. I think he 
should hopefully do a little better this year. I'm going to go with uh, welcome back, Tony Kanan. I think uh, it's going to be good to see him in the car and good to see him back in the paddock. And um, I think we'll we'll finally get to see Ganassi at full throat this weekend with with four really good cars. And obviously, as we've documented on the show, Johnson's going to be up to speed. It's going to take a little bit. So I would still consider Ganassi the best team on the grid, despite that fact. You know, it's just going to take him some time. But the the other three Ganassi cars look really strong this year. And I think adding and TK into that mix is only going to help. It's like putting garlic butter on a steak. It's only going to make it better. Oh, you know, if you, if you get a steak with asparagus and, and potatoes, it's already a great start. But when you when you just kick it up a little bit, it's just going to make it that much better. So really looking forward to see what he can do this weekend. Like I said, really good to have him back. And should be, should be uh, I mean, that's a loaded field. When you take out Johnson and add TK on the ovals, goodness, that that's that's pretty hot. And I'm excited to see Fittipaldi back too. So that that's awesome. Let me ask you this as I pull up the weekend schedule here. Who is going to get mentioned more times this weekend? Jimmy Johnson or Tony Kanon? I will say Kanon. Okay. Just, All right. just because Fair. he's racing. Pit limiter practice starts at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, and the actual practice on Peacock starts at 12.45 p.m. Eastern. Qualifying, which lap one is for race one, lap two is for race two, which I love, 4 p.m. Eastern, both on NBCSN and Peacock. Race coverage, Saturday night starts at 7 p.m. on NBCSN, green flag at 7.45, and then Sunday... They are allowed a five-minute install lap warm-up at 4.30 p.m. Coverage starts at 5 p.m. on NBCSN and green flags at 5.15. So combine that with Formula One on Sunday morning, and it will be a very busy weekend of race coverage. And obviously, if you're there on Saturday, find Matt, say hi, give him a high five. And introduce his new his friend to IndyCar. Give him give everybody who finds Matt give his friend an IndyCar fact or something he should pay attention to. And I think that's about everything. So guys, enjoy a wonderful weekend of racing. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.